Amen. Thank you so much. You're so kind to do that for me as I get up here. No, I appreciate that. There's an excellent, excellent song. My name is Dan Wolven, and I am the pastor at uh, the North Columbus Baptist Church for uh, 20 years. You know what? This is right at my eyeballs there. Uh, man, Brother Alter is not that much taller than I am, but this is pretty big. Almost need a step stool back here. Uh, but I, I was uh, in my home church um, after graduating Bible college. Luke chapter 11 is where we're going this morning uh, for 20 years. And then uh, the North Columbus Baptist Church was started out of our home church, the Cleveland Baptist Church. And so uh, last 17 years, I, didn't, I was not the founding pastor, but uh, the church had sort of fallen on some very difficult times. And uh, there was about... Oh, 30 people whenever uh, I went there, and their mortgage was 7400 a month, and uh, the offerings were 1500 a week. So I'll give you a few moments to figure that out. No, it doesn't add up. So, uh, But the Lord is blessed. We've been there 17 years now, and uh, we're very thankful to be there. Uh, I'll tell you how I got to be here in this place this morning. Uh, Brother Alter had called, knew he's going to be gone. He had called the... Uh, uh, best preacher he knew of, but he said no. So uh, then he called the smartest preacher that he knew, and he said no. And then he called the uh, in, uh, most handsome preacher that he knew of, and he said no. And finally he called the most doctrinally sound preacher that he knew of, and I couldn't say no four times in a row. So I, I decided that I would... <laughs> Go ahead and show up here today. So, uh, no, honestly, uh, your your preacher is so well known around this country as a brainiac that this morning I feel like you know, uh, <laughs> here we go. You know, I'm bringing home a baby. Boom. You know, that's the way I feel. Uh, but I do like I do like talking to your pastor, and I like uh, uh, you know the dialogue and things. He always makes you think. So uh, the different thing about me, I always make you sleep. So uh, I guess that, that'll be a little bit different for you here this morning. So, well, 1030, 1030 Church, it, it must wreak havoc on the restaurants around here in Sydney. Because, you know, most restaurants on Sunday, you know, they know the first people in are the people that, uh, you know, the, the uh, Methodists and the Presbyterians. You know, they're the first ones in for lunch. And then around 12, 30, 1 o'clock, the Baptists wind up coming in. And they don't have to worry about the Charismatics showing up to about 3 in the afternoon. So that's the way they sort of, you know, plan their day and things. But uh, uh, I enjoy it. it. It's awesome. Now, tonight uh, at... Uh, I'm going to turn on, this is a dangerous place, let me tell you. I'm starting my timer, one hour and 14 minutes. All right, so, uh, no, it's not that, one hour and 13 minutes. Uh, but uh, no clocks around here, so uh, that's a dangerous, dangerous thing for the preacher. But then again, you don't have to break your neck, you know, wondering, when is he going to be done looking around? So Luke chapter 11 is where we're going to go tonight at 5 o'clock, uh, planning on uh, just... Talking, I've, I have a, uh, I have a lesson or, or uh, you know, talking points here tonight. Uh, about three years ago, uh, I wound up, the Lord directed us to start um, Awake America, Ohio. Your pastor has been to the Capital Connection in Washington, D.C. And so we do pretty much the same thing like that in Ohio. And uh, so far we have... We have really, it's been a great, great, great blessing. Uh, 
uh, we've been able to pray with and minister to uh, over 200 different legislators. Uh, we've uh, been included on bills, about 14 different bills. We uh, just just the impact that we've had. And I'm only down there like one morning or one day a week. Uh, really taking my day off and and uh, uh, wind up going down to Columbus for me. You know, it's only 20 minutes away, the state house from our church. And so, um, but our, our, our desire, our, uh, impetus of doing that is to, uh, try to engage. There are over 475 independent Baptist pastors and churches just in Ohio. And so our strength is that we're independent. And our weakness is we're independent. You know, we have no network. So for three years, been building an informational network. We're right about 325 of those churches that are we're interacting with and emailing the pastors and have their contact. And there, there's communication going back and forth. And so uh, our desire, what we're trying to do is get independent Baptist pastors and churches uh, to uh, establish relationships with their legislators. Uh, rather than one person going down and speaking on everybody's behalf, uh, our, our input is that we want all of the pastors and all of the churches involved. And so I'll be able to share some blessings about that ministry uh, tonight at 5 o'clock and uh, probably open it up for some uh, question and answers. And uh, maybe we'll just sort of make an agreement that we won't, we won't record that thing tonight. That way I can be a little bit more... Uh, honest in some of my answers and things rather than uh, maybe something, you know, using it against you later. So uh, Luke chapter 11, do you normally stand whenever you read the Bible? Let's go ahead and do that this morning. Luke chapter 11 and uh, verse number 14, Luke chapter 11 and verse number 14. And he was casting out a devil and it was dumb. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake. And the people wondered. But some of them said, He casted out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub, and if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, armed, keepeth this palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him... He taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth. And if you could turn over to 1 John chapter 5. This is a uh, linking passage uh, this morning. 1 John chapter 5. And verse number one, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, 
that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and we stop to pray to ask your blessing upon this scripture, not because it's just habit, but Lord, because we need this. Lord, I, I know these good folks did not come to hear me today. They came to hear from you. Lord, I need to hear from you. Even though that I'm the one doing the speaking, I'm asking that you'd minister to my heart this morning through the precious word of God. I pray that we would be uh, encouraged. I pray that you'd uh, that you'd that we would be convicted. I, I pray that we'd be drawn to thee. I pray, Lord, if there may be somebody this morning that has never trusted you as a personal Savior, I pray that this would be the day that they would accept you. In Jesus' name, we ask these things, and by His wonderful grace, amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Faith is the victory. I, I, the, the key of this message and the, the points of this message is uh, verse 21 and 22 out of Luke 11. When a strong man armed to keep this palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. I, I want you to think about the conflict and how this is a great illustration this morning. Um, there, there is a great conflict and uh, it, we know what it is whenever two nations are battling against each other, when there's a, a, a strife and conflict between one nation and another nation. And in saying this, I'm not trying to be political this morning, but it's very evident all through history that every nation has their boundaries. Every nation has their borders. Uh, the Bible in the Old Testament uh, uses uh, the word, and, and if you remember Nebuchadnezzar, whenever he came in and destroyed uh, Jerusalem, uh, he had taken back the uh, uh, people into bondage in, uh, in Babylon. And the Bible talks about that he has a dominion. His dominion would stretch across the world, but there were still limits to that dominion. And I really want to get that in your head this morning, because we think sometimes about this this border, this this dominion, this area. I think there's a great blessing for us here this morning. If you really sort of apply yourself at the beginning and and pay attention, I think you'll get the blessing later on in the message. But uh, Nebuchadnezzar had his had his region. He had his limits of his border. They went so far. They were great. They were vast. He was basically uh, the the first world ruler. Now, did he stretch into South America and North America? Obviously, we know that he did not. But uh, uh, by all historical accounts, basically, he was the first ruler of the world. And so a, a great dominion, a strong dominion, great strength. And then a little bit later, the, uh, the Medes and the Persians, they wound up uh, uh, conquering him. Uh, although he was not alive, his uh, grandson actually was on the throne. Uh, and, uh, but, but God had prophesied that Cyrus, uh, uh, king of Persia, would, would come in and the leaved gates would be open. If you know anything about the siege of Babylon, it lasted for about a year and a half. And... Uh, 
the, the siege that Cyrus from Persia surrounded uh, Babylon, but the river goes through uh, Babylon, and so they, they really didn't have much trouble. They were growing crops, they had plenty of water, uh, they were fortified. There was no way that an army at that time would be able to overcome the walls and the defenses that they had. Uh, so uh, what Cyrus did is he had his men a few miles away where they could not see uh, dig uh, a large trench and they diverted the waters on the night that they actually diverted the waters and their plan was to walk in the riverbed, the dry riverbed, of course muddy, but uh, the water be gone and they'd be able to get under the gates. But there were some uh, leaved gates of brass. If those gates were shut, they would be trapped and they would lose. And God had prophesied in Jeremiah that the leaved gates would be open. And whenever they came through, and of course, if you know from the book of Daniel, they were having a drunken party and they were so uh, unconcerned about the siege that was going on. Literally, Cyrus and his army just walked right through and conquered that city that one night. But a dominion, a, a, a region, an area. Jesus talks about a, a strong man that is armed. But he was talking about, we know, Satan. And he's given a picture of Satan being this strong man with his great strength and armor. What is Satan's armor? Have you ever thought about that? I don't mean for us. In this conflict, we're not pictured. This is a conflict between Satan and God. And matter of fact, that's what everything is really about. Satan and God. Satan hates Israel. Why? Because God declared that Israel will always be. He made the promise to Abraham and to his, uh, to his sons and, uh, and his son and his grandson. His, his promise, the promise to David that, that that Abraham's seed is going to be always, they will multiply like the sand by the seashore, like the number of the stars in heaven. And so uh, as, uh, as that's a promise, God made this declaration. So Satan has been working for a few thousand years. No, let's make God a liar. That's why there's so many people that hate Israel. Uh, we are sort of in the middle we are, if you want to think of it as, uh, we're the spoils of the battle. Now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. But this is the conflict between God and Satan. Satan is a strong man. And Satan is armed with something by which he is attacking God. Or he thinks he's attacking God. What is that? It's sin. That's what it is. Well, the Bible says God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. What is Satan using against God? Now, Satan has a dominion. Satan is the prince in the power of the air. Uh, he is called in the scripture the, the ruler of this world. I'd like for you, for illustration purposes, think about the border of this platform today and think about this as the dominion of Satan. This is Satan's dominion. Not there, but here. I mean, his dominion is vast. It's strong. It's, it's large. And unfortunately, 
There's a lot of people in his dominion. Matter of fact, everyone who has not accepted Jesus Christ is under the dominion of Satan. They're dwelling there. They live there. People think, well, what do you have to do to go to hell? Nothing. He that believeth not is condemned already because he's not believed on the name of the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Christ. Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Christ, the Messiah, the prophesied one. Jesus Christ. I've not accepted him. I don't believe in him. We are under the dominion of Satan. Now, sometimes people will be in this dominion and maybe some of them think they're having a great time. They have millions of dollars. They're popular. They're famous. They're doing whatever they want to do. And they think that there's no consequences. But the Bible says it's appointed that a man wants to die. Then after that, the judgment. This dominion that Satan has. He is a strong man. And he's armed. What is he armed with? To God. He has taken God's law. And he thinks he's using it against God. Satan understands enough about the law of God to say, ha ha, all those people you created, they've done wrong things. They're mine. They can't be yours. They're mine. I have them. They're under my control. They're under my dominion. As long as they stay in my dominion, then they're going to wind up going to hell. And by the way, Satan is such a wicked, vile taskmaster. If you became a Satanist, if you became a Satan worshiper, and you dedicated your entire life, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, whatever it may be, and you dedicated it to Satan, uh, when you died, he'd laugh at you when you're in hell burning. Wicked. The the embodiment of evil. But this is his dominion. However, whenever it talks about the palace, I want you to think of this building as God's dominion. This building encompasses this platform. God's dominion is greater than Satan's dominion. Satan is a ruler of this world. Satan is the prince and the power of the air. Satan is concerned with what's going on in the world. But God's dominion extends way past the earth. It extends way past the sky. It extends way past all of the galaxies. And it goes into uh, the, the heaven of heavens. God's dominion is much greater than Satan's dominion. And God's dominion encompasses Satan's dominion. So, we know the Bible says that God created the earth and the fullness thereof. It belongs to God. Satan has his dominion only while he's using his weapon against God. God... You gave a law, and men have broken that law, therefore, they're mine and not yours. We don't like being told you can't. 
Uh, I was, uh, oh, I think maybe about three or four years in the ministry, and a member of our church in Cleveland said, uh, can you go visit my nephew? He was in a car accident, uh, motorcycle accident. It broke his leg really severely, had surgery on his leg. You know, can you go visit him? He's unsaved. So I went walking in the room, and I started talking to this uh, young man. He's, uh, I was in my 20s. He was in his 20s. And so I started talking to him about uh, the Bible, and I started talking to him about uh, uh, the Bible says that we've all sinned. He said, hey, hold it right there. Here's what I believe. I believe what's right for some people may be wrong for other people. I believe it's up to everybody to decide for themselves what's right and what's wrong. So whenever you're talking about sin, you know, and God's laws, you know, that's not for me. Uh, It may be wrong to you, but it's right to me. So that's what I think. So I closed my New Testament, put it in my jacket pocket. I said, oh, okay, I understand. And so I said, how tall are you? He said, well, like all tall people, he was egotistical, you know, oh, I'm a six foot two. I said, well, that's awesome. Uh, I'm six foot two also. Now, I'm standing up. He's laying down in his hospital bed and we're looking eye to eye. So, you know, he's looking at me. Yeah, six foot two. I said, yeah, I think everybody has a right to decide how tall they want to be in life. I went, get out of here. I said, no. I want to be six foot two. To me, I'm six foot two. You know what? I, yeah, I'm six foot two. For me, I'm six foot two. He didn't get what I was trying to say. He said, you can't be six foot two. Literally, I'm not, I'm not lying. He took his leg out of traction and stood on his good leg and said, come and stand by me. Of course, you know, he's here and I hit my chin on his belt buckle. Get on, and he's going, see, look at that. Yeah, I'm six foot two. You're not six foot two. I said, you know, for me, I'm six foot two. I, I think every one of us has a right to decide how tall that we are and how tall we want to be. And yeah, I'm going to make a public declaration. I am six foot two. And he laid back down, put his leg back in the hangar there. And he said, that's ridiculous. There's got to be a, 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 a ruler or tape measure or something around here. And I went, oh, you mean... You would use a standard of measurement that does not change and measure me against that? No, you're going to find out that I am going to fall short of six foot two and six foot and five ten and five eight and so on and so on and so on. You must be this tall to preach at Grace Baptist Church in the yeah, you're gonna, if you're gonna hold me up to a perfect, unchangeable measure, yeah, I'm not six foot two. And I said, listen, sir, God's word is a perfect, unchangeable measurement. Whether you wanna say, well, it's right for me and wrong for you, God says, here's what's right and here's what's wrong. And when the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's my expertise in coming short. I understand that more than anything else. That we have all fallen short of God's measurement of perfection. Uh, You had me stand next to you. How are you going to look standing next to Jesus Christ? You said, let's find a tape measure or something. How are you going to look compared to God's word? And this... Strange as it sounds, 
This is the weapon. This is that leverage. This is what Satan is using against God. Satan's using God's perfect word against God for the souls of man. They've broken your law. Either they've got to de- got to go to hell or you're going to have to break your word. But I'm glad that Jesus is stronger than Satan. And that's why God, the Bible says that, that God, that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. Before God said, let there be light. There was already the plan. Satan would tempt man. Man would be tested. He would fall short. But God would provide a way of salvation. Jesus came to this earth. We know about Christmas time. But he lived a perfect life. Jesus came. Remember in the Bible, he said, I am not come to destroy the law. I am come to what? Fulfill it. He said, which of you, later at another time, he said, which of you convinceth me of sin? You've sent your investigators. You've, how did he, how was he convicted in court? They had to pay somebody to lie. And they must have found a couple of real dimwits because they couldn't even decide on their story to agree together before they got in court. They paid people to commit perjury so Jesus would be convicted to death. Jesus fulfilled that law, and now as Jesus died, he died not for him. He died for everybody in all of Satan's dominion. And the moment, of course, died, buried, rose again, so he's proven his power and his ability to save. And as a five-year-old boy in the Cleveland Baptist Church in 1966... I was sitting in the I was sitting in the front row. My dad is assistant pastor. He was leading the hymn of invitation, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. And as a five year old boy, I was, I knew the song by heart. I'm just swinging my arms and singing the hymn of invitation. Suddenly, I was convicted. I knew that everyone had sinned, but that Sunday morning, I realized I'd sinned. I knew that all of those people that have sinned deserve to go to hell. That Sunday morning, I realized, oh, I deserve to go to hell. I knew that Jesus had died on the cross for anyone and everyone to get saved. Suddenly, I realized, I need to get saved. And I came forward and I knelt down. My dad stopped leading the singing, came down, and he helped me understand just how simple it is to trust Jesus as my Savior. And I got up that morning, and guess what? Whenever I got off my knees, I was no longer here. I was now here. I'm out of Satan's dominion. Every saved person is no longer under the dominion of Satan. That's why Romans 6 says, and not sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let it have dominion over you. There's borders. And Satan can't cross those borders. I'm saved. I, the faith that I have already overcome the devil is I'm no longer in that dominion. I'm saved. My faith 
is in Jesus Christ and in Him alone to get me to heaven. That faith is the victory that overcometh the world, that overcometh Satan, that overcometh all of the things that are wrong and all of the evil, the wickedness. I am saved. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I, I have begun to learn after 17 years in central Ohio, the Cleveland area spiritually uh, has a great history of the Catholic Church and people under that great domination and uh, uh, just uh, the the, uh, the strong domination of that Catholic Church and that wicked and vile religion. No, I'm not calling Catholics wicked and terrible and, and can't shake their hand. I'm saying that that belief system will keep you from being saved. And I'm finding out that in the the spiritual background of central Ohio has to deal with a lot of uh, Church of Christ and uh, charismatic and uh, uh, some uh, Seventh-day Adventist background to where a lot of people have the struggle, am I sure that I'm still saved? And they wrestle with that an awful lot. Uh, man, what if I did something wrong? I want you to notice where I am today. I am in God's dominion. I am no longer in Satan's dominion anymore. I cannot get back there. It is impossible. Hebrews chapter 6 talks about, uh, listen, all those that have done this and this and this and this, you're believers. It's impossible that you go back. If you were to go back, if you were to be unsaved again, Jesus would have to die on the cross all over again. I know I'm saved. I'm saved. Why? Because of me? No. Because I'm a preacher? No. Because I'm a Baptist? No. I have been taken out. Because I believed in Jesus Christ, my personal Savior. I've been taken out of the dominion of Satan. And I'm now released. I am free where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. Why should I worry about going back there? Why should I fashion myself to go back there? First Peter chapter 1 talks about as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves the way you used to be. In other words, you're so changed, you're so different. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, old things have become new. You are so different that if you want to act like that again, you have to do it on purpose. You have to make up your mind, I'm Choosing, I'm intending to be and to live like I was before I was saved. That's how changed you are. A strong man. Yeah. I, I don't think of Satan as though, yeah, I can wrap around my little finger. Man, that's foolish. I need to run to the Lord, then resist the devil. By God's strength. By God's grace. Now, this is why this, this picture, I'm praying this picture will stay in your mind 
Because this picture answers so many different questions in the Bible. I could not serve the Lord there. I can serve the Lord now. I could not please the Lord there. I have the opportunity to please the Lord now. I was a, I was an unsaved person. I'm saved. Death, life, it, such a picture opens up for the opportunities that we have. You know what I get to do? I now have the ability and the opportunity to work for the Lord. There were times, I, I'm a grandparent now, but uh, there were times when my boys were toddler, three, four, maybe five before they're in kindergarten. Sometimes I'd go home for lunch. And if I knew I was going to be doing something, maybe on the buses or in the garage or, you know, something sort of, uh, you know, fixing something. Now, I am not illogical. I'm a logical thinker. I'm not a mechanical thinker. There's people in here, maybe you never went past sixth grade or never went past eighth grade, but you could take things, take an engine apart, put it back together. I knew a guy that took an engine apart, put it back together for fun. Man, I, I have a tough time making sure finding all the lug nuts whenever I change my tires. You know, I can, I can go through. My wife, we, we just sold our uh, four bedroom house and we moved in an apartment, two bedroom apartment, and we're, you know, gonna stay there for a year or so, decide what we wanna do and, and, uh, where we wanna go. But, so, uh, my wife, we sold everything, just about everything, and gave it all away. So my wife said, hey, I found a couple of uh, pieces of furniture at Big Lots. But of course, you got to put it together. I said, oh, okay. So I went and we picked it up, brought it back. And then my wife says, now, all the reviews on the Internet said it takes between four to five hours to put the thing together. Four to five hours. So for me, that means it's eight hours, you know, to wind up putting these uh, pieces of uh, just a you know, uh, but you got to, it's, it's like I became Amish, you know, uh, uh, had to handcraft it from the, from the ground up. But this is not my dominion anymore. There were times whenever I would show up at Cleveland Baptist, uh, if I was carrying around a hammer or a tool, people would go, oh no, Dan's got tools in his hand. We're going to have to fix something after he's done. But there were times whenever I'd say, hey boys, come with me. And, uh, and, and I'd just want to spend time with them when they're little. And I said, let's go do work for God. All right. Hey, mom, I'm going to dad back to church today. We're going to go do work for God. And we'd go in the office and, and uh, you know, they're carrying a hammer or something, you know. Oh, my, what are you doing today? I'm working for God today. There were times that uh, we would paint at the house. Uh, the bo- All right, boys. You gotta paint the back of the garage. <laughs> Nobody will ever see it. There was more paint on themselves. I'm talking, man, one of them was like three. You know, three and, and, uh, it would be five or six and then about eight. It wasn't like they did a great job. And to tell you the truth, I had to go back and fix most of the stuff that they did. But they were thrilled. Hey, we're, we're working with dad today. Wow. You boys, you know, I'd say, hey, the Bible says, if you do not work, you do not eat. That's a good lesson to learn. I'm hungry. Let's go do some work so we can eat. They'd come in the house. Hey, Mom, we were working with Dad. We're hungry men. You know, three-year-old, four-year-old. And we look at that and go, oh. 
And that's, that's nice. They're good memories. And honestly, the Bible says some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. There's a lot of times we act like spiritual toddlers. Well, yeah, I went over and preached this revival and about 12 people got saved. And God's looking down and going, oh, isn't that cute? I'm the one who did it. Yeah, you need to go out soul winning. I was out soul winning the other day and I got to lead somebody to the Lord. <clears throat> and God looks down and says, oh, that is so nice. I did it. I called the person and I gave him the ability. I worked through him to even give them the message. God looks down and says, that's nice. God doesn't like it whenever we start taking the credit for it. But because we're there and not here, we can serve the Lord. What a difference in our life. Faith is the victory that overcometh the world. This hasn't gone off yet. Oh, I got 11 minutes yet. Okay. Now, think of what is going on in this world in this picture of dominion. Dominion. Area of authority. Remember, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. I am giving you this ability. I am giving you this command. Not only does dominion talk about borders and limits, but dominion in the scripture is also talking about strength and might. There are people here that are thinking unscripturally about, man, I, I can't live a Christian life. And I preacher preaches against this, and I go, well, man, I did that. And preacher preaches against something else, and I say, well, yeah, I wound up doing that too. And I have this idea, and I have this comprehension that, that all I am, I, I come before the Lord, and I say, Lord, you probably are sick and tired of hearing from me. You're probably weary that I'm coming again. Lord, I, I sinned today. Lord, please forgive me. I, you know what? God probably is so weary of hearing from me that he doesn't want to hear from me anymore because all I'm doing is confessing my sins. That's what the Bible says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. That's an encouragement. Never one time have we come before the Lord and said, please forgive me. And God has said, oh my goodness, I'm so sick of hearing this. God is faithful. He enjoys, even in the Old Testament, God said, listen, whenever he announced as he was going to come in and see uh, Moses, although Moses couldn't see him face to face, the Bible says that any human being, if they stood face to face in God and all his glory would basically be vaporized. So he walked by and you, you've seen a ship or a boat, motorboat, uh, the wake that follows on the water. If you didn't see the boat, you can tell there was a boat that passed by because of the wake that's left on the water. And that's what God did with His glory. He passed by, and Moses got to see the after effects of God's glory. And God, when He announced about Himself, He said, I want the world to know I am a God who delights 
in forgiving sin. God loves to forgive sin. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played 20 seasons in the NBA. He played in two cities, same team. Milwaukee Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers. I know there's some probably young people going, Milwaukee Lakers. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar spent his entire career playing for one team. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is in the Hall of Fame. You know one of the statistics that is credited to him? That's why I had to grab my iPad here. Does anybody here know what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is most remembered for? Shout it out if you're old like me. Most points scored in his career? I saw, yes, saw somebody back there. He took an old-fashioned basketball move called the hook shot and elevate it more to an art form called the sky hook. Seven foot two, jumping, arms extended. He's higher than the hoop. Flick it. Nobody's blocking it. It's going to be on his way down. It's going to be goaltending if they do block it. He was known for the sky hook. Uh, however, you know what one record that he does have? He has committed the most personal fouls in NBA history, 4,657 fouls. 4,657 personal fouls in his NBA career. Now, would you think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if he was interviewed by someone today, would say, Kareem, what do you think about your career? And he put the mic, uh, put the mic in, in his face. And Kareem would go, I'm just a fowler. (laughs) 20 seasons. I committed the most fouls than anybody else. I'm just a fowler. I don't know why you're interviewing me. I fouled every game. I fouled out some games. I'm just a fowler. You shouldn't remember me. When he was inducted in the Hall of Fame in May, I think in 95... He didn't get up there and go, grab that microphone. I can't do it. Grab the microphone, (laughs) make it go straight up. I'm rescinding my offer to be in the NBA Hall of Fame because I committed the most fouls in the whole history. He looked and go, hey, you, uh, you were the MVP of the league six times. You're a six time national champion. You won the scoring title twice in your career. You're the, you're the MVP of the championship game tw- two times in your career. You're a 19 time all-star. What's your problem? How come you're just worried about the fouls that you committed? And by the way, it was like three fouls a game average out of 20 seasons. Yo, know, man, what's his problem? And I think that's a good question to ask us. You know, I've talked to a lot of believers. They're saved. They're in this dominion here. They're no longer in that dominion there. And they'll go, 
I can't teach Sunday school. I can't be a, I can't be a soul winner. I can't be an usher. Well, all I do is sin. I don't think there's a day gone by that I haven't sinned. And we're looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, we sin. Got this body of flesh. Our, our body is the problem. I think I'm short now. I've grown six inches since college. But it's been around the waist. <laughs> yeah, our body's a problem. We've got to deal with it all of the time. But if you focus on your victories, one victory that you already have, every believer has in common, we have the victory over Satan's dominion because we believed in Jesus Christ. And there are so many believers that they're not serving God. They're saying, I can't go forward because they're concentrating on the fouls that they've committed in life rather than the victories that God has given. I'm not minimizing. I'm not saying, go out and do whatever you want because then you go to pray and say, Lord, I'm sorry. But what I am saying is how silly and foolish and wasteful it is to spend our time in this dominion when we're out of that dominion just basically thinking of all the things we can't do instead of what God has done and what we can do. How about you this morning? It's good to be humble. It's proper and scriptural that we're not taking credit for anything that God has done in our life. But I'm telling you, Serving the Lord is an adventure. I don't just mean full-time service. I don't just mean being a missionary. I'm talking about being a Christian. Serving the Lord is an adventure. We've got young people here all throughout the room. Man, you know, I know you heard, I heard it for so many times in my life. Well, you know, I always told God I'd never be a missionary to Africa, and then they called me to be a missionary. No, you know, really what was going on is there was a point of rebellion in that person's heart. And finally, when I said, Lord, you've got everything. The Lord is now showing them how joyous it is to surrender. And they'll say, now I look at Africa as my home more than the United States. The love that God has given. David Livingston, before he... His body was sent back to England. He said, take my heart out and bury it in Africa before my body goes back to England. Where are you? Are you still here? There's only one way out. Jesus has taken Satan's weapon of the law. And Jesus said, I fulfilled every part of the law. And I died for you. That's the only escape that you have. But it's offered to everybody by faith. Are you already saved? Are you here in God's dominion? Jesus' dominion? No longer in Satan's dominion? Well, then think of the blessings. Count your blessings and understand that we are no longer slaves. We're no longer servants to sin. Now we have the opportunity 
to serve the Lord. Don't spend your time looking into things you can't do. I'm done. My oldest son, I remember Stephen, he is preaching at our church for me today. He's our assistant pastor. Turn this off so the alarm doesn't go off. Six seconds. Woo, man, that's great. Okay, got to tell the story real quick. <laughs> I remember he, we had a fence. We lived in a corner house, and we had a fence around the property. And inside the fence, I can remember so many times, I'd, if I'd go home for lunch or maybe I was going to hospitals and swing by, get back in the cars. We parked on the side, not necessarily the driveway many times, but the side by the house on the street. And uh, here's inside the fence is a uh, uh, swing set, you know, G.I. Joe guys, you know, just whatever, bats and ball, you know, whatever little boys like to play with, they're there inside the fence. And I'd get in the car and get ready to go back to church. And so many times I remember picturing him, his fingers are through the chain link and his face is pressed up and he's crying because he wanted to go with me. <laughs> go, go play. No, <laughs> I want to go with you. <laughs> And I'd drive out, and I'd look in the back window in, in rearview mirror, and he's still there. <laughs> Once out of the fence, inside, you know why we like that fence? We didn't have to worry about him running out the street and getting hit. There was a lot of dangers out there. Inside the fence, there's toys, there's safety. It's a pleasant day. You know, I mean, he, he could find one of his younger brothers and hit on them with his bat. You know, he could find all kinds of neat things to do. And you know what? I don't know how many times we've been the same way. God has this safe boundaries for us. We're out there, but there's still some boundaries. God says, listen, I, I want to keep you safe. And a lot of Christians have their fingers in the spiritual chain link fence, face pressed against it. But I want to go out there and do that. I want to act like all those unsaved people. I, I never have any fun as a Christian. There's nothing ever any good that I can do. It's time that we ought to thank God that we're there and no longer here. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you here this morning. Oh, how I'm so very grateful.